Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune via Zoom to discuss the Minnesota Vikings licking their wounds after getting uh, trampled by the Detroit Lions 30-24. to Nick Mullins threw four interceptions. Does that seal his fate as the Vikings quarterback this year? We'll talk about that and, and whether another change is coming. Um, we should know by Wednesday of this week as the Vikings prepare for Sunday night's game against Green Bay, which suddenly becomes one of two outsiders looking in to the NFL playoffs. So we'll get into all that as well. Uh, first, though, on the injury front, the Vikings lose TJ Hawkinson. They lose DJ Wanham for the year. Um, ben, both of those injuries uh, are actually pretty big considering that yeah. DJ Wanham had eight sacks and 14 starts and was really the guy who had replaced Marcus Davenport in this lineup. But TJ Hawkinson's the bigger loss, um, having been really their leading receiver for much of this season for an injury riddled squad. So how do they move on without both of these guys? Well, um, uh, you know, it's, it's gonna have to probably be Justin Jefferson dragging them across the finish line, which he looked on Sunday, like he's willing to do in terms of just anything he possibly could have done to try to win that game from sprinting back to the fumble after Nick Mullins got strip sacked in that last drive to yeah. taking the ball away from two guys to getting open on the last play of the game. I mean, he looked like he wanted that game awfully badly and, and, uh, dang near pull it off, but it's going to have to be a lot of him. Um, the fact that Joe Barry will probably give, Jefferson in somewhere in between eight and 26 yards of cushion may help uh, typically has for Jefferson against the Packers at us bank stadium. The only time that he's really been slowed down against the Packers is when the Lambeau field turf monster is uh, giving him trouble. So there's that there's, I think Brandon Hall or excuse me, Brandon Powell has been resourceful. Um, KJ Osborne looked a lot better. KJ Osborne's had some big games against the Lions. And Jordan Addison, Kevin O'Connell said is day to day. They may get him back, but it's going to have to be a lot of Jefferson. It's going to have to be probably running the ball effectively against the Packers, which a lot of teams have been able to do. So you're going to have to figure, figure out a way through it. The the thing for the Vikings is they didn't have any trouble moving the ball against the Lions. It's just hanging on to the ball has been the issue as it has been for most of the season. So whichever quarterback they feel like is going to take care of the ball the best, I think is probably who starts. And I have to think if you're going to open it back up again, you've seen nothing from Josh Dobbs. In fact, Josh Dobbs has been inactive the last two weeks. I have to think we're finally going to see the favored son of Vikings Twitter, Jaron Hall, on Sunday against the Packers. I, I, I don't know why you would open the discussion back up if you're not going to make the switch to Hall. And maybe maybe they'll do something else, but it would seem like if they are going to try to make a move that they can stand behind and say, there's a reason we're making a switch, it would seem like you'd go to the guy that you haven't really seen and have only had on the field briefly in the that first um game after Kirk Cousins got hurt. And I guess at the end of the Packer game too, he was the guy that took over. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. 
the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin. Yeah, he's he's literally the last option that you have not given yeah. a full game to. Um, Jaron Hall played 11 snaps in that Falcons game before he was knocked out of it. Uh, he played 11 snaps in the game before that when he came in relief uh, of it would have been Kirk Cousins, I guess. Yeah. Um, on October 29th. So ever since then, the Vikings have started seven or four different quarterbacks over seven games. It seems like they'll go back to Hall would be, I would agree in terms of the educated guests there, just the assumption and analyzing their spot because last time we saw Dobbs, it was just nowhere near as efficient as it needed to be. And Nick Mullins gave you some production, but yeah. at an incredible cost of reckless recklessness that I just didn't expect from him. And maybe that's just my fault. Maybe I had not watched enough of Nick Mullins. Maybe I was speaking out of turn and thinking he was going to be this safe veteran that kept things on schedule. Um, but that guy looked like a different old Miss quarterback out there or Southern Miss, not old Miss, Southern Miss quarterback, Ben. Uh, he looked like a different one. Toronto out there. Michael Boy. <laughs> just gunslinging. Yeah. Um, yes, he was. I mean, it, it, I was not, I'm with you. I wasn't expecting it either. Um, I, you know, maybe we should have been. I, I suppose the interception rates for him in his career have been um, 3.9% of his career passes, which in the NFL in the modern league is awfully high. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's that. But I, I wasn't expecting it to come that way. I, I didn't expect we'd see like the YOLO quarterback approach that we have seen over the last few weeks just for – the sake of comparison, Kirk Cousins' uh, interception rate over the course of his career is 2.1%. Uh, his time in Minnesota as a starter, it's 1.8. So about half as much as Nick Mullins over the course of his career. Uh, the interception rate of the old gunslinger, who I believe holds the career uh, NFL interception record in part because he played so long, is 3.3%, but he also had... 508 touchdowns through the course of his career. So there was a little more probably risk reward with Brett Favre, but um, yeah, not, not so much here. And even then with Brett Favre, the interceptions kind of in trouble a time or two over the course of his career. Yeah. So I imagine they're going to try to line up, run the football finally under Kevin O'Connell and just uh, try to make things easy for a Jaron Hall type rookie. Um in, in at least it's a home game. It's a primetime game, but it's a home game against a Green Bay defense that has been just Jekyll and Hyde up and down yeah. um, between what they did to Detroit on Thanksgiving and what many other teams have done to them in terms of busting them wide open uh, and on other Sundays. So it's a fascinating decision that Kevin O'Connell faces. He says he wants to make it before Wednesday's practice in order to set that pecking order, get everybody the um, requisite reps um, in their roles. And that makes a lot of sense. But uh, at what cost, Ben, and for what? Like, what have we seen from this team? And what did you see from them on Sunday that gives you any hope that this team's going anywhere uh, with Jaron Hall? Like, what what is What are they playing for, I guess, from here on out? Well, I mean... They could still get in. I, you know, I guess they would be able to say they're and this is not nothing for a regime that if 
history serves, will be looking for contract extensions this offseason. I mean, the Vikings extended Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman after their second year together. And Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, I believe, went 18 and 14 in their first two seasons together, won a division title in the second year. So um, resume-wise, it's you know you, you don't have the same momentum i guess having won the division title in year one and not year two but kevin o'connell and quasi adolfo mensa will have won more games than mike zimmer and rick spielman did first two years together so if they are able to go into the offseason and say hey we are the first team to make the playoffs in back-to-back years since 2008-2009 there's that um i have a hard time thinking this is a team that can make any type of a run especially missing the people they're missing I mean, when you when you say TJ Hawkins is out for the year, DJ Wanham, who really, like you said, had become their complimentary pass rusher when they have not had Marcus Davenport. Jordan Addison's not going to be 100%, even if he's on the field. Brian O'Neill is playing through an ankle injury. If he's able to go, Alexander Madison still has an ankle that's probably limiting him to some degree. It's just not a team. We can keep going. Makai Blackman coming off of his shoulder. Byron Murphy had a knee injury last week. They pulled a Caleb Evans from the game by all accounts after Jameer Gibbs walked in on that t- that second touchdown. So it's hard to see a scenario where this is the team that quote unquote nobody wants to play. And you know, you could get in, and I suppose there's something to be said for that, but I it's just hard to see this being an outfit that has the potential to make any type of a playoff run. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the uh, Caleb Evans thing because that was a kind of a very underrated thing that happened yeah. at the end of that game where he's been a promising corner for them, uh, made a lot of plays physical in the run game, uh, unlike what you saw on that Gibbs aforementioned touchdown. But also on that drive, I believe there's a third down, uh, third and seven or eight, where Donovan Peoples-Jones had like an 11-yard slant he caught right in yeah. front of Evans. It just seemed too easy. Uh, given that situation. And so it's it's stuff like that that you saw, and it was a really bad drive for him. And I totally missed that he was pulled until Jalen Williams was flagged. And I'm like, who? J- yeah. Jalen Williams was on the field? Um, and so I guess they viewed him as the next guy up over even Najee Thompson, who was available and, and just not uh, somebody they want to put in. He's the new Chris Boyd, I guess. They, they don't... <laughs> They don't use him on defense. Um, but with uh, Jalen Williams getting in the game, he was only in there because because you said because Caleb Evans was pulled and they were so injured at that position. So yeah. you wrote today about how this position is going to be one where we go into the offseason talking again and again about who they're going to bring in, whether it's free agency or the draft, because how many answers do you really have right now? Not many. And you've seen probably some things from Makai Blackman at times, but he gives up a lot of height and a lot of size to big receivers. And we've seen that become a problem at different points this year, probably most notably at the end of the Denver game where he gets bodied up by Cortland Sutton at the end of it and gives up the touchdown. And of course the the moment in Cincinnati where he's late to the play, and that's probably more situational awareness than size and physicality, but he is going to have that problem, and I think that's a lot of the reason people felt like, okay, is, is this guy worthy of a day-two pick? So, you know, still can be a, a a good contributor, I think, but you need a shutdown corner, which they really have not had since Xavier Rhodes. And this is going on, you know, it'll be seven years, I think, next year since we saw kind of 
Rhodes at his peak. And they that's a big need. It's an expensive need, but you have to put that pretty high on the list. And I mean, really, they have bills coming due or big needs at every premium position on the roster, whether it's quarterback, wide receiver, left tackle, edge rusher, and corner. I mean, they, they have to make investments at all of those spots, including with free agents or extension candidates in four of those spots. Um, it, it's a, I mean, we'll talk about it a lot, but there's a, a big expensive and high profile shopping list for this team this off season. Yeah, there really is. And uh, corners just cost so much in today's yeah. game for great reason. Cause if you can find anybody that can just slow any of these freak wide receivers down, uh, it's nice to have. And and we just haven't seen much of that from this group because they haven't needed to cover a whole lot. Yeah, you're right. When you force the earliest or shortest uh, average air yards uh, per throw because you're blitzing so much, your corners just need to know how to tackle. And that's by design, as we've talked about um, with this coaching staff. And that's credit to them for knowing their personnel because maybe they've seen in camp against great receivers, Jordan Addison, uh, Justin Jefferson, obviously, that maybe they can't cover. Um, and we haven't uh, seen too many spots of them getting exposed. But um, moving forward here against, um, the green Bay Packers, the last time we saw these two teams go against each other was obviously the time that Kirk cousins went down at Lambeau field. Um, I think that's a good jumping off point into yeah. a conversation you had with Kirk about his recovery from an Achilles and kind of where he's at. He was on the sideline of this Detroit game for the first time since that injury, anybody watching, um, in the stadium and looking up at the scoreboard or on the social media saw Kirk with the boom box, hyping yeah. up Justin Jefferson before he runs out into the tunnel. So he's very much still a part of this thing. And uh, I found it interesting what he had to tell you just about just where he's at and, and his future moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has basically said, I mean, he's said it a couple of times, but this idea that he thought rehab was going to be a little bit like the stock market where there's ups and downs. And generally if the arrow is pointing up, it's a good thing. He basically said, I've been surprised how many days have been up, how many days have been, hey, this is going great. He had a like a six-week checkup with with Chris Kosia, the Vikings foot and ankle specialist who did the surgery a couple of weeks ago. It sounded like that went uh, exceedingly well. I mean, he was very happy with the progress he saw in terms of Cousins' strength and, and how his tendon is healing. And I, I think there's reason to expect that he could be back on the field for part of OTAs. And that question of where that's going to be is the one we still have to find the answer to. But my sense is that there's at least going to be a conversation about whether he comes back. I, I, I think the conversation will hinge very much on contract terms and, and what everybody wants to do, but there's still a a relationship between him and the Vikings in a, in a lot of ways. We've seen it in terms of him around his teammates, him around his coaches, um, the Vikings rehab team and, and their medical team is going to be involved in his rehab through the off season. So the relationship, even when he's going to end the season and be out of contract after the year will continue in, in that regard. And it, it's going to be really interesting to watch how they go about it because I mean, this season sort of reminds you 
how much they benefit as I mean, everybody does, but this offense benefits from a quarterback who knows what he's doing and they have struggled without that. So, um, I, you know, I, I think he feels good about where his rehab is. I, he's hoping to be jogging here in the next couple of weeks and, and possibly running uh, by the spring. And he's talked about playing tennis, which he likes to do in the off season and Harrison Smith. Hey, wait, Hey, can we, when can we go golfing? I mean, there's been a lot of, optimism from his corner of things to this point in terms of his health. And there's, I, I think every reason to believe that they will at least talk about the possibility of him returning and where, where that goes, especially in light of a quarterback draft and a quarterback draft where they may be picking, you know, 10th, 12th, depending on the last couple of games go remains to be seen. But I certainly think he expects to be able to go, into the spring, into the offseason, presenting a, a good uh, front in terms of his health. I also found it interesting, and one guy who is seemingly in his corner um, to return is yeah. Justin Justin Jefferson. Um, yeah, you got kind of a, a pretty interesting answer out of him uh, when you asked him about that after the game on Sunday. Yeah, we were a bunch of us reporters were talking to him. He does his normal post game scrum, and you know all the questions were just about that game. And um, I just thought to ask him, just kind of, he's had so much stability at quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. From from Joe Burrow at LSU to Kirk Cousins here with the Vikings in his first three and a half seasons uh, in Minnesota, and just what is this really guy? like two quarterbacks since he was in high school, basically, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, that's, I suppose I didn't even think back that far. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I just thought to ask him just kind of what has this shown you uh, in terms of not having that stability and what that's like. And he said, quote, I really think it goes to show the rest of the world the type of player Kirk is. At the end of the day, this is a tough league. Not everybody is meant for this job. So it's tough not having eight out there. The captain that he is, the leader that he is. He's a great player. Nothing taking away from Nick. Nick is an outstanding player as well. We just need to build on that confidence that we have. And then he goes on to talk about how, you know, they need to play more consistently at the position, but for him to just invoke, I didn't invoke Kirk. I mean, I'd invoked yeah. Kirk in terms of the consistency, but um, you know, he was just saying like, look, this is not about Joe. This is about Kirk basically. And about, yeah. you know, when he's uh, our quarterback, uh, we've heard Justin Jefferson sing his praises and Justin's a guy who also needs to sign a new Vikings contract. Yeah. Um, so those two guys together, it's it's a fascinating set of negotiations that I don't think are totally individual. No, I agree with you. And and I would, based on what I've heard, um, I would keep a very close eye on that set of circumstances this offseason. I, I think I've heard enough to think Justin Jefferson is very interested in Kirk Cousins being his quarterback for the foreseeable future. That's not going to be for the rest of his career, I don't think, unless Kirk Cousins has plans to be Tom Brady in terms of how long he's going to do it. But from what he said to you on Sunday, from what he said a number of times defending Kirk, and just a few conversations I've had behind the scenes, I think he is very much aware of the production he's had, the chemistry he's had with Kirk. And it's been interesting because I, I kind of went into this whole thing thinking, well, you know, if they put the contract in front of him and it's the right number and say, Hey, we're going to go get a first round quarterback that you can learn and grow with. He'll, you know, 
he'd be the type that would say, yeah, I, I get that. I'm good. Um, let's roll and go forward. I don't, I don't know if that will be enough. I mean, if they're putting a lot of money in front of him, I don't know if that will be enough to ultimately uh, hold things up. But I wonder where this is going to go a lot more than I did back in July, August, September, in terms of how much the quarterback situation is a factor in whether this gets done or when it gets done or how it looks. Um, I, my eyes have been opened to that enough to think it's very much worth keeping on that throughout this off season. So it might not be a total shock if Kirk Cousins were to hypothetically re-sign with the Vikings in March yeah. and then all of a sudden a new Justin deal gets done quickly thereafter. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it it's hard to know exactly how that looks because the, the, the tricky thing is the money. I mean, it's just we've seen teams get to this point where they have an expensive quarterback and an expensive receiver. And in the two cases that are probably the most applicable here, both teams picked the quarterback. The Packers traded Devontae Adams. The Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill rather than paying those guys and then stuck, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, respectively. That's a little different in the sense that Kirk Cousins does not have the resume of those two players, and Justin Jefferson is younger than both Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. So it, it's not to say that, oh, <laughs> pick the quarterback over the receiver. I, I'm just saying – the the difficulty becomes these are both going to be $30 million a year or more type figures. And then you have to talk about Christian Derrissaw's contract. You have to talk about, do they bring Daniil Hunter back? Um, if they were to go out and try to do something in the free agent market with a cornerback, especially if it's a guy like Jalen Johnson, who's a free agent, the Bears have a lot of money to try to re-sign him. So that's not going to be cheap. There, there's all of these things that make it difficult to do it all if you're paying a quarterback and a wide receiver $60 million on average a year. And there are ways that they can massage at least the first couple of years of those deals. So it's not that upfront, but um, the, the cousins thing I think is going to be really, really interesting to watch specifically because of the money. Um, and, you know, do you sign him for a couple of years and then do you do you draft a quarterback or do you say we're not taking a quarterback until we know he's moving on? It, it's an extremely fragile or extremely, extremely delicate. It's probably the word I should use. Extremely delicate set of circumstances going forward here that I think is it's possible this will tell the story of this regime and how everything goes from here. I mean, this is the most important decision they have to make. And that's a, you could make the argument that the reason they have these jobs is because the previous regime could not get the quarterback position, right. Or at least could not maximize Kirk cousins or get anything out of the players that they drafted before signing Kirk cousins. So um, it, it is a top level set of circumstances, top level choice, top level decision for Quasi Adolphins and Kevin O'Connell, but they need to get right or they may not get another shot at it. Yeah, and they're looking at now a new division champion in the Detroit Lions, who in year three under Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, uh, look very much the part. Um that yeah. was I understand it was a one score loss for the Vikings, but 
I think Detroit was the best team in the division the entire year. I thought they were deserving. I thought any complaining about the the uh, what were questionable calls in that game, but what NFL game doesn't have questionable calls? Um, I thought that was all overblown because the Vikings committed the amount of turnovers they did. They had the amount of stupid plays that they did. Uh, and you're going to lose those games when you lose the turnover battle that poorly. And when you give up the runs that they did in the plays on the defensive end. So to me, Detroit very much looks like they could be around a while. Their, uh, our Mark Craig went in their locker room afterward and uh, veterans from like T- Taylor Decker, their left tackle. We're talking about how this is just the beginning. We feel like this team is built uh, to have some staying power. So uh, what can you take away from that loss for the Vikings, Ben, in terms of the measuring stick compared to Detroit? Well, I mean, I, they, I agree with you. The, the Lions looked the part, I think, in a lot of ways that are going to be difficult for the Vikings going forward. I mean, the, the fact that they ran the ball as effectively as they did, you know, held the ball for 36 minutes, something to that effect, Um 28 first downs, I think it was. I mean, they just were able to play the type of game that I think the Vikings have a hard time handling. Um, you know, we've seen the 49ers in the moments where the 49ers have beaten them, and we did not see the 49ers at full capacity in October. But when, you know, I think back to that playoff game where the 49ers said, We are going to hold the ball, you're going to get 40, 45 plays on offense. And it's not the same type of pass rush that the 49ers have. And the defense is not as dynamic, at least at this point as what the 49ers have, although the 49ers certainly got it taken to them by the Ravens on Christmas night as well. But yeah, I, I think between Aiden Hutchinson, um, the pieces they have on offense, they probably still need to shore up that secondary, but there's a lot of young dynamic players in that group, uh, Jameer Gibbs, I was really impressed with. I, I thought just open field, he's he's hard to bring down. And he got the better of the Vikings a lot in that game. I, that's a pick that people thought, okay, why are you taking this guy this high? And I think there's a valid argument there. But they looked at it, I think, as this is a, a guy that fits what we are trying to do very well. And so far, they've been proven right on both that and Sam Laporta. Yeah, it's it's funny how those anecdotal or one-off examples. I think of an Adrian Peterson going eighth overall or whatever in 07. Like, yeah. you can complain all you want or say as a fan and say, "Oh, it's so stupid of Detroit to do that. What a dumb franchise to draft a running back." And I would tend to agree. All the smart people in the sport would tend to agree that that is not how you would build a roster ideally. Yeah. However, talk to any team that had to play Adrian Peterson and say, is this a headache for you or not? And I'm not saying Jameer Gibbs is going to be Adrian Peterson, entirely different player style wise, but also he might not ever have that workload A running back may never have that workload again um, to, to be that kind of headache. But this is a guy that could bother you for some time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, the, the picks and maximizing the picks, Mm -hmm. there is certainly validity to that. I, I think in a, in a, 30,000 foot level, there is a right way to draft and there's a way that doesn't maximize it. And we've covered a team that has made some of those choices where it's like, really, you're going to draft that position in that spot and invest that highly in this spot. Um, We've seen that burn them. But if you get the right player, ultimately probably doesn't matter 
as much where he was taken if he helps you win and helps your setting in the moment. Um, you know, I, I <clears throat> the the great unknown is had they waited, had they traded back for Jameer Gibbs, could they have drafted him at 25th or something and and gotten or 18th, you know, take your pick, whatever, and gotten a couple more picks and kind of made the value match up a little bit better and got more assets out of it. Maybe, I don't know. Um, that's not a question we're going to have completely ever answered, but for all of the talk about maximizing value, if you get high level players that you can have on your roster under team control for four or five years, at least there's a lot of value in that too. Yeah. I thought Sam Laporta looked pretty good in that game, even though, and not even just as a receiver, like there were moments in the blocking game. One of Gibbs's big runs, Laporta just drove DJ Wanham backward. Um, uh, and there was just Brand no branch. Second round pick was good too. Yeah. So they've, they've got talent. And I, I think that this is going to be, I don't know if green Bay or, and it'll be, it'll be a fun conversation to have about who's set up best long-term. Cause I don't know if it's green Bay or the Vikings or Detroit. It's these quarterback questions that each team has is yeah. going to go a long way toward deciding um, all of that. So don't forget the team that might be picking number one and has to make a decision at Justin Fields. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Could they, could it be Caleb Williams in the division? Speaking of headaches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Headaches. Um, all sorts of people possibly. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll be enough for this episode of the podcast. Happy holidays to you all. Thank you for checking this out. Please check out all of our work at startribune.com. We'll be talking to you about Sunday's game against the Green Bay Packers. <laughs>